Welcome to Rethinking Aloud, the podcast for the Diocese of Leicester. This is episode one of two on the topic of preaching. So let's jump in right now and join John Barrett and his guests. Welcome to another edition of Rethinking Aloud, podcasting for the Diocese of Leicester. And today we're thinking all about preaching. Is there still a place for preaching in the era of the soundbite? multimedia and mass entertainment, uh, arguably perhaps uh, an era of shorter attention spans, uh, new ways of learning, uh, and perhaps in society more generally a suspicion of experts or those who seem to be expertising. I may have just made out a pretty cool word there. Um, but I'm joined today by three preachers, uh, by Andy Smith, who's not only a preacher himself, but also the warden of readers in the diocese by Wendy Dalrymple, Rector of All Saints with Holy Trinity in Loughborough, and Charlie Stiles, Rector of Lutterworth. And I want to kick off with the question, is there still a place for preaching in the 21st century? You know, why do we even need it? Um, It's not like anyone's into listening to an expert spouting for 25 minutes with no right of reply these days. So, you know, some might say the sermon has had its day. Um, Has it? Shall, shall I open the batting and uh, and try and take the shine off that opening salvo from you, John? Um, because I'd want to argue for the enduring power of the sermon. But we need to think about what we understand by a sermon and, and by preaching um, and begin by thinking about ends and means. So preaching's got a really strong biblical basis and missional basis it's part of how we carry out the great commission so the end is to help god's people reveal his kingdom and to grow the kingdom and preaching's one means to achieve that Um, and a sermon is a vehicle that carries a message so even in these modern times which i think you quite accurately described there's still occasionally times for experts to spout for 25 minutes Um, to use the vehicle metaphor there's still a place for an hgv but i think the challenge for us preaching in the 21st century is to actually use a whole fleet of vehicles a wide variety of vehicles to deliver that message of hope from the hgv right down to um, the uh, the postman on foot trodding uh, trodding around uh, around the place i would really echo that opening gambit from andy i mean you would expect us all i would hope to say yeah absolutely there's a place for preaching um or we're just all slightly out of a job or out of a role um i think it is still really important and um i would push back against a little bit against you know we don't like experts well the fact we don't like experts doesn't mean we don't need them um does a pandemic not highlight that really although i agree you know experts can disagree with each other so just because there's a, a cultural pushback against wanting to listen to people doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Um, and I think preaching is really, really important, not just um, in that kind of sort of the evangelistic kind of the preach, you know, the, the conversion preach, which which is a particular type of sermon, um, but actually for the building up of the people of God. And I think one of the things that's so important is that the people of God are equipped to be biblically literate. Um, don't all need to have degrees in in, in theology or anything like that, or, or no Greek and Hebrew. But but we need to be telling the story of God's people, um, and preaching is a really really good way to do that. 
Although I would absolutely say that spouting for 25 minutes is not a good sermon anyway. So is there a need for preaching? Yes, but maybe in this day and age, there's a need for even better quality preaching because um, it's a crowded market for getting people's attention. I think when we talk about listening to anybody talk for a, a significant amount of time, well, we're on a podcast and some people will be right now logging on to listen to what some people think. And we've been invited to be part of this because we know something, not that we know everything. And there might be a bit of suspicion about experts who claim to know everything, but we, we do want to find out things. And that's why you see the explosion of the interest of things like TED Talks. And TED Talks seem to me very much a contemporary sermon. Somebody who knows something or has got a particular story to tell from their own experience. And we will happily sit and listen to them. And we expect that to be engaging and relevant to us. But in the crowded market, we'll be a lot more selective. And therefore, what will happen in a TED Talk, you'll watch it on your TV or on the computer. And if you don't like it within three minutes, you'll skip on to the next one. So I definitely say that we need to think creatively about uh, how we preach, about what we're saying. Um, and some of that is about competing. But people want to hear stories. They want to hear the truth. And this is not so much about um, merely the power of a sermon, but it's, it's the power of God's word. And I need to hear God's word. And one of the ways I do that is somebody preaches to me. So we've got, and some of those themes that have just been begun to be teased out there, we'll, we'll return to um, later on. But uh, as anticipated, a, a resounding yes to the, you know, is there still a place for preaching? Um, but I guess I kind of asked the, do we still need preaching question before we'd actually made any attempt at definition, which was perhaps the wrong order in which to do things. So I don't know, how would you guys actually define preaching? I think that's quite difficult unless you're writing an essay on it. Um, but I think my answer slightly comes off the back of, of Charlie's last response to the previous question about this business of needing to hear God's word. And, and that's why I think preaching is slightly different to teaching or even a TED talk, actually. Preaching for me, I think, is the breaking open of God's word. Um, so for me personally, I, I nearly always, my, my, my jobbing vicar role is to be preaching in the context of Eucharist. So for me, the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the sacrament um, are counterbalances to each other. And in the same way, we break the bread, we break open the word. And what we're doing when we preach, I think, is we're breaking open the word of God to allow scripture to speak, or perhaps even more precisely, to allow God to speak through scripture. So trying to make space for people to hear God speaking through the scripture for them kind of if you like here and now so that would be my best stab at it it's not very pithy it's not very preacher like like that but that's my that's my best attempt to to describe what preaching is i think i'd want to come in with echoing that and say that i think if i had to come up with a working definition it would be speaking god's word to people who are listening um which is it is about what god is saying and therefore my job as a preacher is to listen to god and and share that and of course, that is going to be from scripture with the Bible open, because otherwise it's just my thoughts. Um, another slight way would be particularly echoing what Wendy says. I think the idea of declaring the truth of God amongst the congregation, it, there is something about the event of preaching or the event of a sermon in the midst of, of God's people, where we have come together with an openness and you know, the liturgy in the church being deliberately sort of opens us up, you know, and says, God, you know the truth. You're the one with the power to speak, speak into our lives. And there's a humility of coming together. And therefore we together 
that come under the word of God. I love that. I'll come to Andy in a minute, but I was just thinking, I love that thing you said about um, preaching God's word to people who are listening. I think um, throughout my preaching career, that's probably always meant about 20% of the congregation. But anyway, Andy, <laughs> what would you want to add to that? Um, I, I, I think the thing that we've all got absolutely in common at the heart of the definition is the importance of scripture. Um, and what I've come up with is that it's the art of relating scripture to our modern context, because I think it's very much an art rather than a science. And the reason we do that is to deepen individual or collective discipleship. That's, um, you know, that's primarily the, the people who are listening, um, certainly in, in one, one sense. Can I just come back in, John? Because I, I think the other commonality we've all mentioned is the congregation or the collective listening and again yeah this is a podcast some people maybe listen to it without running or walking or whatever but preaching by its nature is a collective mm. thing mm. Um, and I think that's also really quite important that that preaching is in the context of community um, rather than just um, you know an inspiring talk you might download and watch at, at our leisure, it's, it's relational at its best as well. I think. Mm. I think that would be a great thing for us to come back to later, kind of the role of the preacher, but also the role of the congregation, of the congregation. Of gathered around that that particular moment. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll return to that. I think. Um, but here's another sort of question: What's the payoff, or, or perhaps where might the tipping point be? Um, between, or we talked a bit about length of sermon, or we've alluded to it already, and um, people's willingness to listen or not. But w- what's the payoff between concession to human weakness, making the sermon short and simple, uh, and looking to actually have enough substance to challenge or to stretch and to take people deeper? Uh, and I just wonder, do you think we sometimes tiptoe around our congregations too much and almost patronise and underestimate them? I think it's a really good question, and I think it's a very real danger, um, especially in the in the modern age. In in your introduction, John, you uh, you alluded to you know social media, multimedia, generally lower attention spans. Um, and I don't know about Wendy and Charlie, but I'd certainly put my hands up and say that it's frighteningly easy to start to craft a sermon that's you know engaging and witty and perhaps entertaining but actually doesn't say anything so i think what's important is is to start with a clear sense of of message what what is it that we're saying um what's in this passage of scripture that relates to our situation what might people take away from the sermon to think about or to pray about or to do and not to start crafting the the sermon until um, we're really, really clear um, what that message is and then to start thinking about how we build up and make it accessible. So I don't see it so much as as a tipping point, more as a kind of order of construction or putting things together and being really clear what comes first yeah yeah that's useful i think we've all heard sermons where you think actually you had a really good illustration and a very funny joke and then you pat it 
15 minutes yeah. of stuff so yeah yeah. yeah, Wendy, what do you, where are you on this one? I know myself, the times I fall foul of, I've got a great joke or something or an anecdote and, that, and I think, oh, that's why one I want to use. And then you realise that really, um, actually, it doesn't really make any point at all. You're just slightly using it for padding or because you like it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think for me, I try to get the balance right. I don't know if I always do. Um, but I do think there's something about feeding people you know, if, if maybe the analogy of, I don't know, going out to a restaurant or something, you know, if you, if people are turning up expecting to hear from God, that actually puts, you know, we should take our preaching responsibility really quite seriously. And if what you give them is a school assembly, and of course, collective worship can also be very deep. But if you, if you basically, you know, give them that kind of level um, of, you know, nursery school or something, then actually I think you've sold people short. So I think there is an element of, we we can we can um, fall foul and kind of feel insecure and think well I've just got to entertain people um, and and not you know not give a, a meaty message um, but then equally you know people's lives are really tough you know I don't I don't often preach the sermon that goes you're all miserable sinners you know come and repent because um, I think people you know we're, our job partly is to feed people up and go in peace to love and serve the Lord so I think there always is a sense of you know we want people to to encounter God who loves them and goes with them. But I think we, we do have to pay attention to to not um, dumbing down might be one phrase, um, but I think you can do things simply but still say, still say something deep. So I think I'd come and first want to say um, that simple isn't necessarily short. I think there's a real uh, gift in simplicity and actually the best 40-minute sermon is likely to have an element of simplicity about it, as in it will say something clearly. One of the questions I often kind of come away from, both in terms of supporting and training um, my preaching team and of myself, is I want someone to be able to, you know, someone you get home at lunchtime and somebody says, what was the sermon about? I want there to be an answer to that that isn't, well, there's quite a good joke about some socks and Elijah <laughs> and um, I can't, uh, yeah, and Elijah and I, you, yeah, just like we just thought about how he was a real man of God. You think, what, what you know, you kind of, what, what was it about? Well, actually it was about, it was about persevering and suffering or it was about these is just awesome and we just need to remember that and that's a wonder, you know, I, I kind of want people to be, to come away with at some simplicity but I don't think that that's simple and not deep. The, the best things in life are often simple and immensely deep. And I think that I think when you said about telling people short is so true. Um, I think the length and depth is often something about what people are used to. I'm really struck that the, the vast majority of complaints about overlong sermons that I've heard or received have been from traditional churchgoers who aren't used to it. In my experience, inquirers and visitors, they want depth. They don't necessarily want to sit on the most uncomfortable queuing them for 40 minutes, but they do. They want you to say something. Otherwise, what is the point of you even opening your mouth? And um, so I think you know, depth and simplicity, both of them, please. John, can I just come back in on that as well? Because this whole point about simplicity in a, another part of my life, I spend a lot of time trying to get people to understand that simple isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, simplicity takes a phenomenal amount of crafting. Mm. Um, the easy sermon is one written with little thought where you just kind of burble on and stop when the egg timer goes off after 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 40 minutes. 
simplicity takes a huge amount of, of thought and and structure and it is perhaps deceptive as well. So I'd certainly echo what Wendy and Charlie have said that simplicity should be a target, but don't mistake that for naivety or lack of, of depth. If anything, it's completely the opposite. Yeah. And if, if I could add to that, I think it's implicit in what we've all said really, but the all age or the children's talk actually in a service um, I very rarely give that to new and inexperienced preachers to do because I think it's incredibly difficult to do yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and actually, the more experienced you are, um, the not the easier, but I think the more accomplished you are at being able to do a really good quality children slash all age talk or preach. Mm. That's really interesting. So we've kind of begun to stray into the territory of um, what a preacher might be getting up to in their study. Um I wonder if I could ask you, if you're preaching on a biblical text, uh, what kind of questions in your preparation, what kind of questions are you asking of the text as you start thinking about your sermon? You know, what's the work that you're putting in that the end users, that the congregation may never see? Um, Yeah, Charlie. So actually, I start slightly further back. My first question is, um, is a prayer. And it is, Father God, what do you want to say to your people today? Yeah. The heart of the heart of what I want to do as a preacher is is not merely expand a, a text, even though I'm a big fan of expository preaching. It is, I want I want to be the 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 proclaimer, the prophet of God amongst the congregation on that day, boldly speaking God's word to people. And so that's my prayer. And then when I then open the scriptures, I'm, I'm actually asking God first to speak to me. Because if I'm going to, it's particularly if I'm going to encourage or challenge or whatever, the people of God with God's word, um, I need to be listener, a listener before I'm a speaker. And then I, then I come to the question of what do we learn? What is this, this episode, this passage, this psalm? Um, what does it teach about God? Teach about people, um, particularly the human condition. Um, and then what does it teach us about salvation? Or what does it teach us about what God is doing in the world? So, you know, does it remind us of our deep need of God? Is it uh, is it about commissioning? And it's often as you go from what you learn about God, what you learn about people to what do you learn about salvation? That that then gives it its directional thrust of what the sermon will, will aim to do. That's really interesting, Charlie, because I think... Uh in some ways but perhaps I don't always explicitly think of it in that way but I think I do exactly the same in that my my starting point is somewhere deep in my spirit um you know holy spirit what is it that I need to be saying on this Sunday to this group of people um now now in my context we use the lectionary I'm absolutely a lectionary girl um mostly because um I I don't have time to write preaching series off the out of my head so um I love the lectionary that discipline of the the passages are set for you so I would kind of have that that prayerful approach um at some point and then I would read the scriptures and and just see I guess on one level at quite an instinctive level what what is is uh striking me I think as as Charlie said about listening to God I I very rarely preach a sermon that doesn't somewhere in there have something that's pointed at me, um, although I try not to turn it into a complete you know, personal confessional, but there's usually a message that I need to hear in there somewhere. So I'm often sort of looking, well, where, where am I drawn? Um, and I guess although it's not completely explicit in my thinking, my, my peripheral awareness, what do these scriptures have to say to me today and what's going on? So 
clearly right now preaching through a pandemic creates a context for all of our sermons you know and 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 that's just the background there's the politics of the day um there's things going on in the local community um you know there may be a, a particularly acute pastoral situation in your congregation maybe you know someone's just died or something so that is kind of swimming around in there um and in the best version of me which doesn't happen all the time um that process has kind of happened you know really early on in the week um you know maybe even 10 days before or you know and then i'll get the commentaries out and so on and then you know there's a careful process sometimes there's a reality of being a jobbing vicar as i was put it where um my preaching doesn't always get the attention that i would like and there's a, a bit more of that process squashed together at the back end of the weekend um but i think yeah that that two-pronged approach really of coming to the text trying to listen to what God is saying to me as a preacher and trying to to listen to what that the message might be for for my particular congregational context and I think um, I think perhaps the only slightly different perspective I'd, I'd add to what Charlie and Wendy have said John and it's adding to it's not different from is spending time getting a sense of what's going on in the story in in scripture um so kind of in the context of the bible uh the gospel passage or the the particular book of the bible mm-hmm. and who are the characters that are involved um at some stage i'm sure we'll talk a lot about the importance of story um in preaching and actually getting um almost getting a mental image what what would this story look like as a video and who are the characters that are in there that might not be in in scripture and and sometimes i find that's a helpful perspective to look at a piece of scripture from um so I always always start with prayer father what speak speak to me what is it that that that, that you want me to say on your behalf, and then time spent in the passages as well, because quite often I find that the sermon I end up preaching is nothing like the one I thought I was going to preach when I first read yeah. the passage. Yeah. Um, and, and, and 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 then and then lastly, um, uh, as I say, so who are the people um, in this? Because the common link is is that. People haven't really changed in thousands of years, and the struggles that we face as as humans and uh, are, are, are are the same as people back in the the times that are laid down in scripture. I love the way that all three of you came out effectively with a kind of a, a starting point that's talking to God and saying, "Speak to me." Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, if I could just come in there, I, I just would say I think there's. There is a bit of, there's a difference between seeing ourselves as the preacher, sort of three of us are preachers, and being the sort of intermediary between scripture and the people. And so we're sort of, we're, we're listening to, you know, um, doing what uh, John John Stock called double listening, List, you know, one foot in scripture, listening to what God is saying, one foot in the world, listening. And there's a, there's a danger sometimes of thinking ourselves the intermediary, like God's word is here and we need to sort of go to the medicine cabinet and, and get the right thing. So we spend time with people, we work out what they, we need, we then go to the medicine cabinet of scripture and get out the right medicine. And the danger is there, I think, is that we become the, the authority. And I would say that in pastoral work, that is something you sometimes do. You, know, you, you spend some time with somebody and they're in 
they're, they're in a particularly difficult time and, and you do feel actually let me let me go to let, let me go to the medicine cabinet and, and bring God's word to bear in your life to speak truth to you but I think actually one of the things about preaching for me is that I want to be holding out the word of life that it it's God through scripture who speaks not I'm going to speak and I'm going to use and because the danger is always that I could say I'm going to speak and I'm going to use scripture to, to back up what I'm saying and whereas I really think my prayer is about saying, God, what are you going to say? Uh, and how long can I be, uh, I be the channel through which you... I think that's a really helpful distinction, actually. And I, I think there's something about um, preachers are trying to draw people into Scripture so that they're owning it as their story as well. Um, not that I like what you said, Charlie, about you're not using scripture to back up your, you're not like making, doing a lecture and, you know, here's my view and here's a bit of scripture to back it up. And and I think for me, it's something about helping people really understand God's story as their story, a story that they are caught up in um, and therefore to see how it enriches their, their lives. Um, the only thing that I suppose I, I am aware of that we we have a, a real gift in being um, preachers. You know, we we have been called, trained, set aside, whether that's as a lay reader, you know, as an ordained person. And therefore, I think we shouldn't back away from um, that element of expertise, if I can do it like that in inverted commas, that we bring. And, you know, when I when I go to my doctor. Um, yes, I want my doctor to help me make healthy choices in my general well-being and how I live. But also, I, I'm really appreciative if they have read the medical books and they can just, you know, give me some stuff. I mean, that kind of helps. So, so I think, yeah, I think it's, it's both and. It, it's both and. Yeah, just uh, I, I think the other thing as well. Again, coming back to this, it's almost back to where you started with John, with you know the the, the, the expert. Um, I think the way we've all described it, some people might be listening and, and think, oh, you know, A, these guys are really good and, and B, it sounds really straightforward. Particularly if you follow the lectionary, um, I don't, I'm alone in, in fessing up that occasionally you, 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 you're faced with passages that are really difficult to understand and to fathom. And I think that occasionally it's, it's no bad thing to incorporate that as you preach to your congregation and to say to them actually, actually do you know what i've really really struggled to get to the bottom of this you know it, in all honesty this is what i've come up with and this is what i think but it, it's it's not always rose-colored spectacles bright shining lights and and clear clear messages you know occasionally it, it can be difficult and that's why i i've Heartened to hear Wendy say she's a lectionary girl. I think the lectionary is important because I think it keeps us honest as preachers sometimes as well. I think, um, you know, didn't the Apostle Peter um, write that some of some of Paul's writing is quite hard to understand? So if Peter... You might say that. Amen to that. <laughs> I, th I think you, you you talked about in your John. You talked about in your question. What's the you know what do what's what do people not see? And I think preaching can be a real wrestle. Um, and if you're churning out a sermon every week, they're not all like that. Sometimes needs mush. You just you know you know what did I preach on last time on this? And you might have a bit, but at its best. On I used to talk about before I was ordained, and I perhaps preached once every four to six weeks or something. I used to give birth to my sermons. You know, I would I would sit with them. I'm sure I annoyed. 
honestly, my vicar no end. He's like, yeah, really, Wendy, thanks. But that you know that gestation period and you'd wrestle with it and uh and some and some sermons I think are like that if and and you don't always know why maybe there's just something you're really tussling with and and I don't know about about Andy and Charlie and, and you John but um it can it's actually quite exhausting um it can really yeah it's hard to grapple with it's hard sometimes to write and sometimes you just get home really just like oh I'm wiped I mean I'm trying not to play the sympathy card too much but you know it's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, yeah. if if I was on the other side of this and not asking the questions, but being one of the people on the panel, I've just realised how nerdy my list of things that I used to take to a text was, um, uh, and a lot of them the congregation wouldn't have been aware of necessarily. Although sometimes I think I tried to sort of model these these are things that might help you as you read scripture for yourself. Uh, but I I'd about things like the what did the original author think that they were writing, and uh, what would the original readers have understood by what was written. Um, you know, what was the immediate historical context? What's the immediate biblical context? Where does it fit into the whole kind of story of salvation, Bible, salvation history thing? Um, and a question I always used to love asking, and sometimes when you get to books like Ecclesiastes and Proverbs or Song of Songs, you're not quite sure what the answer is, but what would scripture be missing in its big story if this passage wasn't in there? So those were some of the kind of questions that I would try to bring to a text and i wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily be obvious in the sermon but it was sort of there in my thinking uh, as i yeah leading up to the to the sermon but, uh, yeah. oh we yeah. totally do all that as well we totally do that as well some of us translate it from the greek <laughs> i don't <laughs> so, no i'd agree i'd agree john um and i think all those are part of the questions i think though there's for me that's the middle bit of the process between kind of the initial kind of what's going on here um, the the analysis and understanding of, of that particular Bible text is essential. I, I particularly like that question of what the script could be missing. But the but I think the, the bigger question for me is always God, what are, what are you saying to me? What what are, what are you going to say to me? Thank you for listening to part one of our podcast on the topic of preaching. We hope that you enjoyed it and will join us next time for part two on Rethinking Aloud, podcasting for the Diocese of Leicester.